Hello and welcome to the RevOps Show. I have to tell you, Doug gets so into the topic today that at one point he forgets what question he was even answering. And if that doesn't show you how much fun today is, I don't know what will. But all things aside, today is all about how to develop and build a sales pipeline. So if you were ever wondering when two pipelines are better than one, how many stages you should have, and how to set up your pipeline for success, you've come to the right place. With all of that in mind, let's get ready to RevOps. Yes. Doug. I like it. You're finally like it, it's come around. You know, this is going to be an interesting experiment today. Something we have never tried. And Rev I Ops know, show on Monday I morning. Know, I know, before you say, before you tell everyone what we're doing, I want to know, <laughs> have you had adequate coffee? I have. I've been, I was, I was up early this morning. Today was the first day of camp. So, so we had no break. We had no break between school and camp this year. It, it was very, very weird. This is the first hold, time. Hold on. You say that like, like that's a, a challenge. Difficult. Let, let, let's be real. Like, I'm terrified for the grateful. end of, I'm terrified for the end of the summer. Cause it means we have a longer gap between camp and school. Oh, why don't they just extend camp? That's what, that's the question I had for them. If you're starting sooner, why are you ending earlier? No one asked for this. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Huh? So it's, it's, so it's still, just, it's still eight weeks, but they're just ending sooner. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll just exhaust them for you. I'm hoping now we're, I'm, I'm looking for, I'm looking for other things for them to do for the last three weeks of summer now. Three weeks. Wow. I, I know. So normally we had a week at the beginning and then we had two weeks at the end. And by the end of the two weeks, they're ready to kill each other. So I don't know how we're going to do three, three weeks. <laughs> well, I mean, you have to figure, you know, the Texas power grid will probably be inoperational at that point. Oh, my God. Good Lord. Wait, it I starts just... to cool off a little bit in August. July July would be a bigger concern, just, just so we're clear. Okay, hold, on hold on a second. The words said by someone are, it starts to cool off in August. That's a, Those are some of the scariest words I've ever heard you say, Jess. Why is that? Because August is a hot month. August is a hot month. I mean, compared to so July. That's cooled off. That's like a little scary. Compared to July. I guess, you know. Anyways, already tell everyone what the experiment is. What are we doing that, that we've never done before? Uh, first thing Monday morning. First we're, thing Monday morning. We're doing rev up show recording. Now we know that's the real reason you were up early because you were just excited about. So excited. Starting off the week with the rev up show. So excited. I have a question for you. What did you do last night at, at 9 p.m.? Because there was no succession. So what what, what did you do? I, I was very <laughs> I was uncomfortable. I was confused. <laughs> and there was no John Oliver to, to help, like, to help uh, calm you down a little bit because the writer's strike is going on. So so I'll tell you. So I actually, I, I typically watch, I'm, I'm too old to watch John Oliver when he actually comes on. So I, oh, okay. I always watch him on Monday. It's so like the first two or three weeks, I'm like, man, what? he didn't say anything about taking a break. And then I'm like, oh yeah, the writer's strike. Uh, did you hear? Speaking of the writer's strike, Deadpool three is yeah. is supposed to be like the first movie starting production post 
um, writer strike. Oh, I didn't realize that. And Ryan Reynolds is a is a member of Screen Actors Guild. I'm sorry, okay. he's a member of of the uh, screenwriters um, of the Writers Guild. Sorry, he's yep. of course actor, but he's also a writer, and he is a writer on on Deadpool. And so the question comes up, and it's actually a legal question. I read a really interesting article about this. Is he allowed to improv? Because he always improvs. Oh, because he he's right. Because he's writing while he improvs. <laughs> so oh it, man. So so it's like this question of is it a is it an act of writing? Now, if he were an actor who did no writing was not a member of the Writers Guild and improv, apparently that would be okay. Because that would just be an actor. So it's a question of so messy. How about that? How's that for? <laughs> That's fascinating. Interesting. Yeah. Who would have, who would have thought that that would have been, you know, when, um, when Green Lantern came out, do you remember Green Lantern? Lantern? I do. I do. Did, Unfortunately. Did you, ever, did you ever think you'd see the day that Ryan Reynolds would be Ryan Reynolds after that? So I didn't think I would ever see another iteration of Deadpool after the first one that he did in uh, the Wolverine movie. Right. Because <laughs> so it was so terrible. Oh, I was bad. He was good in the first part of the movie, but then they, they, he can't talk for the second half of the movie, which totally defeats the purpose of Deadpool. Yeah. They sew his mouth shut because he's, because he's so annoying, but then he can't talk. So then he's not, he's not really Deadpool anymore. He's just a guy with swords. So, so as I understand it, Ryan Williams really, ha- I mean, Ryan Williams, Ryan Reynolds has, has really two things going for him. Mm-hmm. He's an attractive man. Yes, he is. And he's very witty in his repartee. Yep. So you're just going to ruin those so, two things. And so you're going to sew up his mouth so he can't talk. And yep. he's going to wear a full costume so he can't actually. Yeah. Well, so he didn't have a full costume. You could see his face. But but they basically covered him with prosthetics on his whole face. So it was it was really weird, Doug. So, so they didn't even have, Don't like, see- he didn't even wear his mask? Was he... Had he gone through the whole? So, like, I don't know the whole story of Deadpool. Had they didn't do the whole. They they didn't do the whole origin story. It was totally different. It was it was yeah. it was bad. It it by all accounts the movie was was awful. Is that why he he and Hugh Jackman don't like each other? No, that shtick's been going on way longer. I know. I, know. <laughs> I think I think they may like each other. I think they you think. I think you think that Maybe. I think they might be putting us all on. <laughs> so, what are we talking about today, Jeff? I want to talk about how to develop and build a pipeline, a sales pipeline. So do I. So do I. Can, can we, can, can someone please build us a sales? Oh, you mean the, the back end? No. The, the design <laughs> of, of the pipeline that's in the CRM. Yes. Yes. I thought you meant like actually have some people go out and create some opportunities. <laughs> you'd, li- you'd like somebody to do that here? I would. <laughs> You've been getting too comfortable. Oh, okay. We need we need to we need to accelerate growth again. Let's yeah, we, we need to do that, just not not too much. <laughs> not too much. Um, we'll add 10, 10, client seats over the next forty five days. Oh my god. You that? You're trying to give me trying to give me a panic attack. That's one of the great lines from succession, by the way. Which line? I'm having a panic attack right now. Oh, Carl, when he was testifying in DC. Oh, you be able I don't to tell, but I'm having a panic attack right now. <laughs> I don't remember that. Got to go back to season two. So actually, you know what I've decided to do, Jess? 
Rewatch Succession. I am actually gonna. I'm not. I'm not doing it right now. Um, so what did I? Oh, I never told you what I actually did at nine o'clock. I, um, I'm watching the final ten episodes of Manifest. Oh, okay. I haven't watched that. That's on my list. Alrighty. Um, going back to Pipeline though, which has nothing to do with Succession. <laughs> or Manifest for that matter. Or Manifest. Um, so I think I want to start with um, when when are two pipelines better than one? When doing sales pipelines. But why don't we why don't we frame it up a little bit by just okay. kind of talking about what is the purpose of a pipeline? Why pipeline? Okay. What is the purpose of a pipeline? Why a pipeline? That's a great question, Jess. Um, so when 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 you talk about your pipeline, um, and you know we we should, as I'm getting ready to answer the question, I realize what would you say, Jess, of the of the moderate to large deals. Let 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 let's take out small, small biz, if you will. I think like 30, maybe about 30% of, of the implementations we've done are companies that, that aren't actually doing any act, you know, they're not even, they're not even thinking pipeline. Like there's no pipeline equivalent. They're not, there's no deals or opportunities component. There's no pipeline component. Yeah. I think that's right. So, you know, it, 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 it supports I mean, the reason I, I bring this up is it, it supports one of the challenges I think we deal with is we live in this echo chamber. I, mean, I remember the first time we had somebody that was like, you know, we were working with the sales organization and they were complaining about the deals object. And and if you remember, I thought, well, they must, you know, they're used to Salesforce and, you know, they just have to understand that the deals object is just the opportunities object. Right. Right. And then it was like, no, no, no. They just like, what's this deal thing? Yeah. Um, and, and, and so what, you know, what a pipeline is, a, a pipeline is, is designed to show, to, you know, be, to be able to manage and track the progression of your sales journey, right? It, so, so if you think about, you know, we talk a lot about uh, the customer acquisition journey. We talk a lot about the customer journey. Um, th- this is the active consideration point. So, mm-hmm. you know, marketing, the marketing side of the table grab the idea of life cycles. And, and they think in terms of of funnel. So, yep. so the pipeline is is more of a direct. So, so when you're looking at your funnel, you're looking at you're 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 looking at kind of the metadata. You're looking at you know it 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 it's a numbers element. While while there are certainly numbers in a pipeline, you're moving more to an individualized element of it. So you're able to track specific things that are happening. Um, and and so it it's it's to enable the tracking and effective management of the progression of opportunities from beginning to end and and to be able to use that in a manner that enables you to gain greater insights and predictability so that that's kind of the why of of pipeline and and, and i think that when we when we think about it and we start at, when we start having the conversations, kind of the whole reason that, that we decided to have this topic today, that's the job to be done. And I see mm-hmm. a lot of times that that job is, is oftentimes forgotten. And again, it's the totality. Really, the job of it is insights and predictability. Okay. So, so keeping that in mind, insights and predictability, how do you go about choosing your stages of your pipeline. I'm actually going to go to a different place than multiple pipelines first. Um, how do you go about? I had a whole good answer to your one or two pipelines better than one. 
Well, I want to start with like, how well, do you go about the answer stages? first, right? Let me just give you the answer first. When okay, two sure. pipelines provide greater insights and predictability than one does. Okay. When are two pipelines better than one? Yeah. When two pipes, so you get it? Yeah, I get it. That I is an it. accurate answer and completely useless. Yep. Yep. It's my specialty. It is. Accuracy. You excel at that. I do. <laughs> So, so no, how I'm do you go completely about completely off your game? You, you have, you have, I'm, I've, I'm trying to get it back and, and you keep, <laughs> you keep Monday trying morning, to baby. let's go. Yep. Yep. So how do you go about picking <clears throat> your stages uh, for your pipeline? This is where system design and process management is crucial. And, and I've probably, this is probably the area where I see the vast majority of mistakes and mm-hmm. And the danger of these mistakes is what we're going to talk about is going to sound very semantical. Um, and this is where the job to be done goes off. So you take a look at the journey you're tracking. So what is the, what is the sale that you're making? Now, I tend to be a believer that, that the customer journey, especially in a higher consideration um, mm-hmm. purchase, there's more than one sale being made. Mm-hmm. And, and so I'm, I'm a believer that, you know, if I, if I look at, if I look at a pipeline, I know I'm giving away a little bit of the answer on, on, on how many pipelines, but I kind of look at them as production lines. What's the beginning yep. of the production line? What's the end of the production line? When is that, when is that production line's job done? And then what is the progression on, you know, it, 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 it is a journey. Um, so if I'm, I'm going to go back to, I know I haven't said it today, but I've said this on many other of our episodes. Um, I'm going to refer to to a, a sailing metaphor here, right? If I'm sailing from Annapolis to Barcelona, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not just going to go from Annapolis to Barcelona. I'm going to identify waypoints. Now, one of my and, and so if you think about each waypoint, yep, that is a stage in the pipeline. Now you'll notice when you have when you have a a journey crafted on on such an expedition. Your first stage is not um, first unleashing of mainsail. Right. Right. It, like when I say that, it, it pretty ridiculous. Right. Yet, yet, no offense to everybody out there, how many of you have an early stage of your pipeline first meeting? Yeah. Right. Um, how many of you have as a stage in your pipeline demo? Demo. Yep. Right. And, and so what you're looking at are key milestones. Elements that have exit criteria. So, like one of the problems with demo is, well, the exit criteria for demo is, well, demo. Right. I'm I'm, I'm actually analyzing um, a sales team right now, a sales mm-hmm. organization right now, and I can tell you, I mean, they are they're they're not on track for their numbers. Um, yeah. And I'm looking at it, and you know, my my initial before I got a chance to to, to see the metrics to really get into it, what what I heard. I'm like, okay, well, there has to be an element where they're not getting enough at bats. They're not getting mm-hmm. enough of those first meetings, et cetera, just because of, right. of how far off they appear to be. When I got into it, I found, you know, they're either set meetings with really, really bad fits, which, which by the way, has, you know, there, there's, a, um, there's a prescription for that. Mm-hmm. But, but what my sense is, having looked at the data, is they're they're not building the consideration. They're not, they're going right into sale mode. And one of the reasons for this is demos earlier in their pipeline. So 
if if de- if it says demo, then I'm gonna go demo, 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 demo. Um, yeah. And as as opposed to what needs to happen that that builds that that enables us to build on. Now, now here's the thing that I think people miss about what the purpose of the sales process is. Mm-hmm. And this is something actually I don't think you've heard. Okay. And I, I remind me to run this by Matt Dixon. Okay. Matt Dixon, you know who Matt Dixon um, is one of the co-authors of Jolt Challenge, uh, the Challenge Sale. Yep. We um, we interviewed him earlier uh, this year on the RevOps show. The purpose of a sales process is to reduce decision reluctance. Okay. Right. The purpose of a sales process is, is to facilitate a mutually beneficial long-term decision. And to do that, the best thing you can do is reduce decision reluctance. The, yeah. the, the enemy of sales, the enemy of a sales organization is not no. It's not someone saying no. It's someone not deciding. Or, or like, and there's a difference between the passive no and an active no. Like I've looked at it. We've considered it. We've determined that we don't want to do this. Yeah, no, we've we've talked about this. We're 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 happy if we get a quick no, because at least time's not wasted on it, and 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 we're we're clear early on versus yes. But this is a slightly different. What what I'm saying is what I want is a consider like the purpose of a sales process mm-hmm. is is to you know when when things don't fit, um. We, we, we want that to become clear and, and, and you disengage, right? So I, so I agree with that. But what I'm talking about as you go through the decision process, mm-hmm. which, what, I, what I want is a considered no. And what the difference between a considered no and a non-considered no is if you say no to me before you've had, before you understand what it is I'm really talking about, what it is I'm trying to address, like I know you have a problem or I believe you have a problem, but, but you're not considering that. Like mm-hmm. I can't get to that point. Then I, then I've lost a major opportunity, right? I've, I've, yep. I've greatly reduced my market. And, and that's why I'm, I'm super anti Bant as a criteria for anything other than the very end of, of a process. Right. And so why do people have decision reluctance? Well, they have decision reluctance because you, you take them too far too fast. Right. So, so, you know, I've, I've spoken many times in the past that, you know, generally speaking, there's three meta decisions that have to get made in a high consideration purchase. Why change? Why change now? Why change with you? But we have a tendency that we push all of those things to the end, right. Mm -hmm. As opposed to building each piece and building on it, et cetera, et cetera. So that, that, um, that like, I'm, I'm looking at an enterprise organization that their average win at, at an enterprise level is, I think it was 27 days. It might have even been 23 days. Well, well, you haven't sold anything if you're selling to the enterprise level and, and you're getting the win in 23 to 27 days. You, right. You've caught something, right? But, but what you haven't done, like every one of those opportunities was already in the midst of, of consideration at the time that, that, that you encountered it. Right. Nothing wrong with that, but that is not the same thing as really selling. Right. And and so when when everything in your pipeline, when every stage is basically weighted to about to buy, yeah. then, then don't be surprised that you're not generating that lift in your sales process. So so when you're looking at your stages, you're looking at what are your key milestones, what are those waypoints, 
that progress towards the facilitation of a clear active decision. So, so demo may or may not be an exit criteria in a state. By the way, one of the things that that, that I find interesting, and and you know how often we've sold software without ever demoing it, Mm -hmm. right? But if you put demo as a stage, I guarantee you will demo every time. Yeah. 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 And and even if you put demo as a exit criteria, you're going to demo every time. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're typically going to go to demo too fast because it's a very clear, very certain, very tangible thing to do. Whereas I, I would probably use something as an understanding or um, I'd have something in the realm of understanding as an exit criteria. And one of the plays in that understanding, and it would probably be a very common play if I'm selling software, would be demo. But right. But the point, the purpose, the goal, the objective is not to demo. The goal is sure. to ensure that there's understanding. That makes sense. Um, so I want to go back to my to my two pipelines better. So so I get being able to 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 track things the right way. But when are so when are two pipelines better than one? Like how do you know that you need to break up that that process into multiple pipelines? You've got you've got two parts. I would say there's two parts to it, uh, maybe three. When, when you when 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 you start losing the signal, a good pipeline has a very high signal to noise ratio. So, if if the signal to noise ratio starts decreasing, that's a sign that you want to mm-hmm. that, that an additional pipeline, whether that's two, three, or seventeen. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, now this this does. Let me let me take a step back real quickly here. You you do need to pay attention to what software you're using because when you're creating a an additional pipeline, is your software truly treating that as an additional pipeline? This is one of the places and one of the reasons that we talk about business process must drive the technology. Yeah. And why you need to understand the business process before you select the technology. So that you know, so so if your if your tech doesn't support this, then then you may be forced to make a concession. But as you start to lose that signal to noise ratio, here here are some common examples. I I, th- I think there, you know there's a fundamental um, difference between the process beginning to end of let's just you know a sales development, business development, market development motion than the sales motion. Yep. So so if I'm selling to again, especially in a higher complex, larger sale value. The job of my development team is to generate sales qualified accounts, sales qualified opportunities for my account team, for my sales team to work. By the way, even my sales team for the for the prospecting or or pipeline creation that they're doing, right? It, it's a very different place. Like we have we have a development pipeline and and a sales pipeline and a new sales pipeline. That's that's one deviation because there are different beginnings, middles, and ends. Now, I've seen some people combine that to one pipeline. And and you could. The thing that people don't understand about pipelines and, and naming stages and naming exit criteria is that words mean things. I'm actually re-listening mm-hmm. to leadership is language. Um, so so very fresh um in, in, in my head here. And and so I you know, let, let, let's just say that. I've got a development pipeline that's got four stages. Okay. 
and I've got a sales pipeline that has five stages. So what's wrong with making that one pipeline with nine stages? Well, I mean, technically there's nothing wrong with it. And it, it makes it a little bit harder for you maybe to get the analytics that you're looking for, but I could manage all that. Mm-hmm. Here, here's what's wrong with it. If I go from stage four to stage five, that's not complete. That's, that's the middle. Yep. So what, what, do, what do salespeople love to do? They love to close business, right? Why do they love to close business? Goes up on the scoreboard. They, yep. typically, get, they typically get some level of pay for it and it's done. All three things create dopamine. Yep. Right? The anticipation of those three things create dopamine. Do you get excited because you are you went from stage four to stage five in a nine-step process? Not really, nope. no. Right? So, so you've just kind of created this whole signal of things. Also, by the way, if, if stage four is complete of, of this motion, mm-hmm. I'm less likely to jump ahead and try to go to stage because, I mean, the biggest danger on sales is skimming steps. Yeah. Um, so, so that's one piece. Remind me what the question is I'm answering. What? Oh my God. When, when are two pipelines better than one? Oh, so I have a, two I have a, yeah, we, we went back to it. I went back to it. Cause no, but I thought, I thought I was answering a follow-up question. Oh, how would you know? I got it. I'm with it. I'm with yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. How would you know? The, this, okay. I got, I got two more to give you. Okay. Yep. Um, the second is when you've got distinctly different emotions. So, so in addition to our development pipeline Mm -hmm. and, and sales pipeline, which by the way, are different motions too. We also have a pipeline for project business and a pipeline for recurring business. The reason for that is they're distinct motions that have meaningfully different stages and different exit criteria. Right. And, and so what ends up happening in, in, you know, the, when one pipeline is wrong, is when one pipeline creates this lowest conom- lowest common denominator or race to the middle mm-hmm. where where kind of everything is average. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm oftentimes a proponent of a strategic pipeline and a transactional pipeline. Why? I want to make sure that again by separating them, I'm actually building into the system the nudge that I should be treating this opportunity differently than that opportunity. Right. Right. So, so again, it gets into what's the, what's the behavior that I'm looking for? What am I trying to accomplish? Okay. Did you have, did you have one more? I kind of covered it in okay. the, the staying away from average. So, so I know we're talking about different motions, but I, I have a question for question popped in my head that I don't know that I've ever asked you before. So the, the sales development, market development motions, those are usually handled for us by a sales development rep. And then the sales motions are usually handled by a, by a sales rep. Those are two different people. So when you have different handoffs and different people working through these motions, is that a place where you need to look at breaking those pipelines up or not always? It's a reason, but, but you know, look, look at how we manage our pipeline right now. Um, I manage. Yeah. Right. I, so, so yeah. Our new, our brand new opportunities that haven't gone through the um, initial review, et cetera, matching. I take them through the lead management pipeline. I, I don't have a development rep working right. that. That that helps me because I know where they are. By the way, it also helps me because I don't have to then go through this whole. I'm I'm able to generate a f- much better insight. 
Because if I put all of that into a pipeline, like right, one of the things that we've noticed this year is that our early stage demand, so our, our development pipeline, we've seen as opportunities are coming into there, deal quality has dropped. We've seen that conversion drop, mm-hmm. um, not devastatingly, but meaningfully this year. If we had that as a single pipeline, I, I, I would see a win rate drop. Yeah. So I would then have to spend much, much more time digging into, okay, what's causing that? Whereas when we look at our sales pipeline, right. Right, what we're seeing is it, you know, on, on a numbers basis, it, it's down a little bit, but on a dollar rated basis, it's where it's been traditionally, right? So, so what we're seeing is, okay, nothing's changed here. And, and by the way, to some degree, that that's given us the comfort that let's not overreact to that drop in early stage business. You know, one piece of it is we're probably getting um, at bats with some opportunities that we didn't get before, which will bring in a lower quality element. So again, by breaking that up, it's helpful on, on a, like if there's a true handoff, mm-hmm. then, then I would, te- I tend to fall into um, a different pipeline stage because again, there's a complete, but it, it's more about the complete and the beginning. Okay. And it probably is that there are two people involved. Okay. All right. Cool. It, you know, if, if I were to watch a relay team, mm-hmm. one of the things that we would analyze very, very closely is, is the handoff is the baton handoff or the, you know, as one, so, you know, you, 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 and, and so by having those as two pipelines, I can actually see what's happening there much more easily. Right. Right. That makes sense. All right. So as you're putting, your pipeline or pipelines together as you're putting your stages together. How do you, how do you make sure that it's set up to get the right reporting you need, the right forecasting you need? Like, what are the considerations you need to take there? Thinking long term, making sure you're able to track the things you need to track. So, so I think in a lot of ways, I think I think the 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 stages, mm-hmm. the names of the stages. And exit criteria are probably the three most important things in pipeline design. Okay. The interesting thing is pipelines are talked about all the time as being key to forecasting. Mm-hmm. I think that's bullshit. I think that's some of the worst advice that, that I think that's why <laughs> I think that's why so many people suck at forecasting. Why is that bullshit? Because it's not true, Jess. Because it's not true. Wow. Great. Thanks. <laughs> Super helpful. <laughs> um the the theory of the theory of of pipeline forecasting is that probability of sale increases at each stage mm-hmm. to to the degree that that's true it's at best a correlation um it it also counter counteracts the idea of you miss 100% of the shots you don't take and it also yep. counteracts the idea of pipeline coverage and how people obsess about their pipeline coverage and they get measured on it and and how often pipeline metrics get used against sales reps, not for sales reps. So, so for example, um, we have a we have a proposal out. Mm-hmm. I, I I don't think they're going to do it. I, I think that I think that they're going to consider us to be too expensive. Okay, I really do. I, I so so by the way, I I have not put full effort into it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've attempted to, for lack of a better word, disqualify on that, mm-hmm. but, but they haven't fully bit. Now I could do a whole 
budget and resource play. Right. The mm -hmm. problem is that would take more time mm -hmm. than if I just put the proposal together. What, what's more is I don't think that they have the full knowledge. Cause again, this wasn't something that a, they're not big enough and B, this wasn't something that was quote unquote allocated for. They become aware, you know, the problem is big enough. I just, yeah. again, I just don't think that they're going to say yes. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got another opportunity. Actually, it's not even in the sales pipeline right now. It's in the lead management pipeline. It's in our it's in our development pipeline. It we've had we've had a conversation, a couple more things that have to get done before they become bona fide, you know, meet our criteria to go into that. I, I think that there's easily more than a 50% chance that that they're gonna buy pro I I'd even if, if I was if I was being optimistic, I, I would say we've got a two and three chance. Like I, I think mm -hmm. this is a really good, strong opportunity. Yep. Right. Well, if I use pipeline for forecasting, the really good opportunity is showing a 5% chance. Mm -hmm. And the really bad opportunity is showing, uh, I mean, I know some people say there's never more than a 50% chance. I understand why they say that. The problem is that's not really true. There's a point where it does go above that. Right. I think we go there yep. too. I think we go there too quickly. Sure. But, but what, what drives probability are, are certain criteria, certain um, profile criteria, decision criteria, problem criteria, yep. not necessarily progression. By the way, I've had, we've all had many opportunities that stay in our last stage, which is high probability, longer than and we know they have less of a chance of, of closing than something that just came in yesterday that were like, boom, yes, this hits, et cetera. So like all of those things, that, that, that progression, that move towards, are they going to make a decision? Are we covering those things that make a decision? That, that's a different thing from forecasting. So, so forecasting is, you know, especially forecasting from a sales perspective, forecasting is very, um, deal specific. Mm -hmm. And then, and then the other element that, that, that I think is a huge mistake is we have this whole idea of um, what's the close date. Like, yeah. like we're going to predict the date by which. So, so from a forecast now, now I do use that date, but I use it for a different reason. Um, I, I, I use it more to manage progression and when are we checking in? When does, when, when does the play have to change? Right. Um, but, but what I use from a forecasting standpoint is more of a, um, are you predicting this to, are you, are you, are you predicting this to, to finish in the next X period of time? So we use 90 days. Okay. Right. So, so we're using a forecast confidence. Right. Number and a, and a time and a, and a next 90 days. So, so it's so not, way, it's not pipeline and stage specific. Yeah. Yeah. So, so stages are, are irrelevant. Yep. Um, now, now again, by there, there's a there's a correlation that says by the time you get to the last stage, the the nature of your like the, the, there's this horrible stat that shows a pitcher's um, ERA or or batting average against first time through the order, second time through the order. Yeah. And and the second time through the order is almost always lower than the first time through the order. Yep. And and the reason is if you're having a bad night. If you're not on tonight, you're not going to see them the second time through the order. Right. Right. 
So, so yep. by definition, to get to the second time through the order, you you're you're not having a shitty night, right? Right, and 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 yeah. so there there there's an element of that, and so and so where that number has some degree of validity, where it comes from, where it, it may not be bullshit, is if I'm IBM and I'm looking at the total, I'm looking at thousands and thousands of opportunities. Mm-hmm. Then then yes the the opportunities in the last stage are going to have a higher probability than the opportunities in the first stage. But, but that's the only thing that you're getting right. There is the outcome. You're not getting the input, right? Right. Right. And, and if that you don't sense. have, and if your numbers aren't large enough, then your variance kills. Yep. Yep. All right, cool. That makes sense. Um, so let's say you've gone through an exercise to define your stages, your pipelines, what's the right way to roll that out with the sales team? How do you how do you roll that out with the sales team to get understanding, adoption, utilization, all those things? Can can we do a question that you skip? Yeah, sure. How many stages are too many in a pipeline? Oh, yeah, how many stages are too many in a pipeline? Is there a follow-up <laughs> question to that to how many stages are too few? Yeah. I mean that that would be that would be the inference. Yes. <laughs> A good pipeline has five to seven stages. Why five to seven? It's like 14 holes of golf because nine's not enough and 18 is too many. Oh my gosh. I'm going to start, I'm gonna start a uh, chain of 14 hole golf courses. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I, 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 I could go down to four. Um, if, if you have two or three stages, mm-hmm. now, now in fairness, we do have a three stage pipeline. And and that pipeline is called our add-on pipeline, right? And and that's just because we're tracking something. It, it it's not really a sales metric. If if what you have is open closed, and I actually heard someone who said, you know, well, you know, their their preferred pipeline is early stage, late stage. Yeah. Well, well by the way, they have at least three stages because there's early stage, late stage, and closed. And I'm sure they have closed one and closed lost. So so if you have fewer than three or four segments to the process, you're probably not looking at it meaningfully enough to get the signal and the insight that you want from it. Your, your steps are too large. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you go above seven, by the way, I'm calling, so let me say four to seven, because I'm going to call close one, close loss one state. And and I tend to go, I mean, I tend to think that there's, I mean, by, by definition, you have three stages. You have you have the meet stage, you have the connect stage, and you have the propose stage, and then win or loss. That you know, that puts you at four right there. Yep. Right. If you're if you're less than that, then then all you're doing is you you've kind of got a tick sheet, right? You're not really going to get any insights from it. You're not going to get performance insights from that. Now, by the way, yep. if you're a one person sales organization, if you're, you know, an individual consultant, if you're the rainmaker, th- that might be all you need. You're not, you're not looking for performance insights. You're not looking for sure. that, that optimization, et cetera. When, when you get above seven, you're now, I would challenge, are you, are you, are you maybe like, would you be better off with two pipelines? Are you, are you combining motions? Are you combining things? You know, like I saw somebody that has 11 stages, like, Okay, what do you do with eleven stages? How how do you, right? You're you're so, 
minute. Now, now some people go to that because they're they're using that to be able to. Well, I want to know where my, you know, in solution design, I want to know where this stands. Here, here, what's happening? Like, we'll use um, we'll use a ticket pipeline sometimes. So let's say three things have to happen in this stage. Um, that that's where I would use probably properties or, mm-hmm. or even lead status or opportunity status as something to be able to get to get that signal. When you start breaking it above, like I said, when, once it starts going above seven, you're you're so in the weeds, you lose, you can't see the forest anymore. Yep. So how do you launch it? Mm-hmm. So I don't think you ever launch a new pipeline. No. No, I think you may launch a new process. Okay. Okay, that's that's fair. You, you see, Jess, at, at Lyft, we live by Prime Directive. <laughs> um, but by the way, that's how you do it. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's spot on. That's how you do it, is, is, is you talk about, let, let, let's define the, the journey. Let's define the, the sales journey, the buying journey. By the way, and that's how I would do it. I would say, let's, let's look at the sales journey. Let's look at the buying journey. Let's see where these things, where, where are the inflection points? Where do they connect? Yeah. And, and, and by the way, going back to what, how many stages... When, when I'm in stage one versus stage two, mm-hmm. there's a distinctly different set of plays. There's a different psychology. There's a different motion, right? It's like when, when I coached college baseball, we had, we had segment one, segment two, segment three, the early yep. innings, the middle innings, the late innings. We had a different goal for each. So like early innings takes lot, take lots of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. But well, we would we would both take lots of risk or be really conservative because the goal was get the lead. In a seven inning game, by the end of the second inning, we wanted to have the lead. In a nine inning game, it was by the end of the third inning. So, so if we needed to bunt somebody over, we'd bunt somebody over. Mm-hmm. But but also if our runner, if it was a you know, if if there was um, you know, do, am, am I going to stretch a single into a double? Then then the the middle three the, the the middle innings we wanted to you know it depended upon where where were we in the game but that's where we would want to expand the lead. Yep. And then the late innings was dependent upon if we're in the lead, then we're going to play, we're going to defend the lead. We're going to look to get, to get one run, two runs. If we're behind, then we want to score a bunch of runs. Right. And so it would drive different motions. We thought about things differently. The same thing is true in, in a pipeline. If that stage doesn't indicate that there's now a different objective, there's a different point, then that's probably not a stage. But mm-hmm. if you don't have, like I said, four to seven of those movements, then you're probably not breaking down that buyer-seller alignment the way you need to. All right. That makes sense. Makes sense. Um, okay. I have a couple of takeaways. Um, I really liked what you said about thinking about pipeline stages like a production line. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that before. It made me think of the goal. But yeah. <laughs> um. I think the the three most important things on uh, are the stages, the names of the stages and the exit criteria. And I think name of stages, look, that's something that we might obsess about a little too much, but people don't, I don't think people put enough thought into what they name their pipeline stages. They can be like, you should be able to look at it and know what they are. Um, and then what you just said around, uh, you don't launch a new pipeline, you launch a new process. Um, and again, I think that's a place where people, they focus too much on, rolling out a new pipeline versus talking about how it attaches to the overall well, sales process. I, I think there are two things that, that, that you want to get at. One is, you know, one of my favorite stage names is solution design. Mm-hmm. 
And it's the one that we get the most resistance to. Yeah. Because we don't really think that way here. That's not really what we talk. It's like, right, there's yeah. no better way to get you to start thinking that way than to right. name the stage that. Yeah. Right. Um, what was the, oh, and then the other thing is, it, you know, it's not just what you talked about as it's, you don't roll out a pipeline, you roll out the process. Mm-hmm. The, the other part where, which I see is more devastating mm-hmm. is that you roll out the pipeline, mm-hmm. but you never change the process. There's no change. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so yeah. you're not really, you, you, your measurements aren't supporting it. Your, you know, how many proposals you got this week? Yeah. We, you know, we added the, okay, we need to get better at needs assessment. How many proposals do you have this week? <laughs> right. 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 Yep. Alrighty. Cool. Well, this was, uh, this was fun. <laughs> so, so how'd the experiment turn out, Jess? I thought it was actually, actually good. I think we should do this first thing Monday morning every week. Every week. You got it. Let's do it. Cap off the start off the week with the RevOps show. I think we should do it first thing Monday and last thing Friday. Take this, that is what is that is what is happening this week. It is. <laughs> In fact, if if everything pans out the way we want it to. <laughs> Last words. <laughs> exactly. Until Friday, Jess. Thanks everybody. And that's a wrap on this episode of the RevOps Show. If you have gotten this far and are still listening, go over to Twitter and let us know at Demand Creator how many stages you have in your sales pipeline. I'm really curious to see all the different numbers. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you would like to ask Doug or Jess about your own sales pipeline, email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on Twitter at Demand Creator. Until next time, remember, can't solve your upstream problems downstream.